Holman, I do not think that I can put up with another trip down a Southern California freeway and see a freaking car with its headlights off at night because of its DRLs. But rather than rant about it for the next 20 minutes on this podcast, I'm going to play you some audio that I think you'll enjoy. Not imagining things. There really are more cars driving with their headlights or their taillights off after dark, and you may unknowingly be driving one of these so-called phantom vehicles. Mm. We're going to bring in Atlanta News First Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe. And Brendan, this can be dangerous not only for you, but really for all the cars around you. Yeah, Sean, this is something to be on the lookout for on the roadways, even though there are three times as many cars on the road during the day, half of all crashes happen at night. Really? That's right. It's more dangerous dangerous after Go dark figure. and that's why we've been on the lookout for so-called phantom vehicles and we discovered the real reason why so many drivers are truly in the dark wait a minute they must they've, be listening to the podcast they've answered the question that we've been asking for or just driving two years no no we've answered the question so i want to see if they validate us or not i'm not just going to play this news piece i'm actually going to phone up brendan keefe Chief Investigator at Atlanta News First to settle this once and freaking for all. All right, I'm in. When do we call him? Uh, in a little bit. Oh, we're not going to do it right now? <laughs> no, we're not, not going to do 20 minutes to get into the show? No. Nope. We did four hours to get nope. into the show last time. No, nope. you know what I want to do real quick? Can you read that review? Let's no. Do, uh, you don't no, want to do it now? No, we're going to do reviews later. Okay, you sure? Yes. Because that review addresses no, the, our long no. intro. So w- let's make the intro longer by doing more stuff before we do it. All right, all right. So on this Truck Show podcast episode, we are going to cover phantom cars. Okay. And later in the show, we're going to talk about someone that we lost, someone very important to the automotive industry. Uh, I would say a national treasure of the automotive industry. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah, kind of a little, right. little bit sad, and uh, we'll, we'll pay our respects. And, I, and also, I'm going to explain how I almost died. Well- I almost got killed in the Arizona desert. There's a lot of death going on. Is that that interview with the psycho? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll, well get wait. That. He could be listening. He might be a new oh. listener. No call. Well, you psycho. told. That's what you told me. I have no context. I haven't heard the okay, interview. Okay. Well, I'll play that. You're gonna want to hear. You tested how... me a bunch of weird stuff, and I'm like, "Well, are you in danger?" And you're like, "I don't think so," but I I recorded something, and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, thanks for covering the show." I ran into a very interesting character Eccentric. at a rest stop, and you're Which gonna is... want to hear the audio. That's probably not where you want to run into people. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> it wasn't in the restroom. You rest survived room. a rest yes. stop. Uh, yeah, stop. exactly. Okay. All right. So uh, let's do something we never do, and let's thank our sponsors within five minutes of starting the show. Let's do it. All right. So uh, Start with Nissan. We'll start with Nissan. Uh, if you are in the market for a pickup truck, if you want something dependable, reliable, affordable, then head on over to your local Nissan dealer or NissanUSA.com where you can build and price the Nissan Frontier which is a great midsize truck, or the Nissan Titan or Titan XT, which is their half-ton full-size offerings. Of course, the uh, Titans have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Nissan has been supporting the podcast for over five years, and uh, we'd love if you would support Nissan in return. So uh, if you're looking for a new truck, at least put them on your shopping list to go for a test drive. I think you'll appreciate how quiet they are, how smooth they are, and those zero-gravity seats are super comfy with that great Fender audio system. And home, and each week we talk about Banks Power at bankspower.com where you can surf for all sorts of aftermarket performance parts for your gas Would or you call them truck. Aftermarket performance accoutrement? The accoutrement that you will need. Accoutrement. Well, hold the, on. I heard it on good authority that the Banks iDash helped a friend this week. Are we going to touch on that? Uh, 
We should. Right? I was going to talk about the uh, Ford 7.3 Power Pack. Oh, that's awesome. 104 horsepower. We should do that. But I should pause that and for the next episode, yeah. and we should talk about how the real I-Dash world iDash uh, got one of our buddies yeah. out of out of a jam. All right, I like Interesting. that. Interesting. Mm. Right, do you want to do that here? Should we just talk about no, the iDash no, no, no. and we'll play the, no. audio, play the audio later? We're thanking our sponsors okay. because we're going to get into the show. Okay, well, and we have this. So basically, the way this how do works, I tie in iDash here? Just hold on, just okay. hold on. The way this works is we say hello, and then we say thank you, and then we provide all of our listeners with a bunch of cool content, and then we say goodbye and thank you and then we go home you're jumbling the whole thing so up. this section right here is where i we say, say thank you okay we say thank you thank you to banks for making thank an awesome product that saved one of our friends and yeah. if you are looking for awesome products then go to bankspower.com where you can type in your year make model and see all the litany of awesome products available for your specific truck but we're not going to talk about the iDash specifically here. No. We're going to do that later. We're, well, you, you can talk about the iDash specifically here, but we're going to talk about our friend later. The iDash is the most powerful OBD diagnostic device and performance gauge you can buy. It does everything you'd ever expect out of a diagnostic device, but it has hundreds of calculated parameters. If you're trying to diagnose an issue on your truck, gauge the performance of your turbo, your intercooler, and so much more, you'll find yours at bankspower.com. And it saved one of our buddies, which we'll talk about later. All right. And uh, if you're looking for a new set of shocks for your ride, because it rides horribly or it fades or it heaves or it bottoms out, (laughs) then uh, you might want to go over to uh, billsteinus.com where you can check out some of the best shocks on the market. It doesn't matter if your truck is stock height, if it's lifted, if you tow, if you go off-road. Bill Stein has vehicle-specific valving. That's exactly what you need to get the most out of your ride. The best part is, if you've got an old, tired lift kit, they even have the right aftermarket extended and collapse lengths, so you could take off those ugly, old, rusted-out, blown white shocks and put a nice Bill Stein Reservoir monotube right in its place. So if you're looking for a shock that keeps you going when the road runs out, then you want to head over to, uh, what's that website? BillSteinUS.com. Did you know you can also make your daily commute more enjoyable? And you can. also have a better controlled ride while towing. If I buy Billstein. If you go to BillSteinUS.com, that's right. Go to their website and click on Find Your Product, where you can also do your make model. And now it's time for On X. This is how you prevent yourself from getting lost in the desert. It's also how you find out who owns the property so you don't get shot. It's also how you have fun off-road. OnXOffRoad.com is where you go to explore the account, find out which plan is right for you. Then when you're ready to download the app, you just go to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, whatever is convenient for you. You get the app and here's the awesome part. You can be kicking back on your couch with your laptop open and create the perfect route through the Black Hills of South Dakota or the Mojave Desert or maybe the beaches in Florida. Do they have the beaches in Florida listed there? They probably do, right? I'm not going to tell you if you are curious. Download OnXMaps.com and check it out. Not only can you use their route builder tool to uh, create a route, but you can share it with all of your buddies so everybody has the same maps on their device. You can discover off-road trails, public and private land ownership. You can save maps for offline use in case you don't have a cell signal. You can customize them with markups. You can track, save, and share trips. And, of course, sync with CarPlay and or Android Auto. It's got some powerful 3D satellite views. It's an amazing app. It's great for adventuring. If you want to know more, head to onxoffroad.com. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck truck rides with the truck show we have the 
lifted. We had the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. All right, so that's pretty good. I mean, we uh, we got into it under ten minutes, I think. So uh, good for us. This is actually a uh, an action-packed show. It is. Are we, gonna re- going are we going to do the review here where the guy nails us for uh, doing long intros? No. No, that's still later? That's later. That's okay. when we do reviews. I, 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 I want to get Why heated. are you so excited about that? I just am. I want to come at him. You know what I'm saying? Like, Why? What? Be, what? What? what, buddy? You want to come at him because for <laughs> once in our lives, we showed him up by doing it shorter. Mm-hmm. And you want to be like, no, oh, look at this episode. No. I, As know, evidenced by today. We'll, I get I get it. We'll, we'll get to that later. All right, Holman, it's time to dial Atlanta, Georgia. Are you set? I was just in Atlanta, Georgia two days ago running through the airport. Why, why, why weren't you just walking? Because I had- You were late? I should tell him this story and see what he says. All right. He's truly from Atlanta. Okay. And he's an investigative journalist. I have, I have questions. All right. Hold on one second and I will dial Brendan Keefe. Hello. Is this Brandon Keefe, Chief Investigator at WANF Atlanta News First? It's Lightning at Home with Truck this, Show Podcast. Yes, that is me. <laughs> it is I. All right. Breaking news here. <laughs> Lightning at Home with Truck Show Podcast. What's breaking news that we're calling him? Yes. That he answered. News, yes. Breaking news. Both. A real journalist has answered the phone call of the Truck Show Podcast. <laughs> we're going to break some news. We're going to break this story wide open after years and years of talking about ghost vehicles on the highway with no taillights. Brendan has solved it once and freaking for all. All right. Well, then, if he solved that problem, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, throw a second problem at him. All right. All right. Let which me is, stop that stupid music. Which is my uh, my my the bane of any existence in Atlanta, and I need him to investigate that for me. What is it? All right. Tell me if this record has ever been beaten in the history of air travel. As I'm flying through, by the way, my history with uh, Atlanta Hartsfield Airport is uh, is robust and uh, varied, and I don't think I've ever had a good experience there, uh, including landing in Alabama once because uh, Atlanta was full stop for storms and we ran out of fuel on our 757 and had to uh, go land at a different airport, fuel up, and then fly back to Atlanta. Uh, but this this trip, I'm flying from LAX to Atlanta. Uh, to head to Louisiana, which is so lame, dry, you know, flying all the way across the country, just come back. And while I'm in the air, Delta sends me a note, says, I'm sorry that we got you there late. We uh, have rescheduled your flight out of Atlanta for tomorrow morning. Oh. And I'm like, no, I have an 8.30 meeting. I can't, I can't be there at 11.55. No. So it says to me on my phone, if you want to confirm this new booking, push this button, or if you want to deny it, push this button and resume... Your flight. I'm I'm doing the math. I'm doing airline math. I'm like, all right, what time we landed Atlanta? So your landing time is this. By the way, takes, is there going to be a question for Brendan yes, at some point? Okay. Twenty minutes to get to the freaking gate. So I, I'm working all that in. I get to gate A thirty or something like that. I have to get to D eighteen. I have eighteen minutes. I'm sort of toward the front of the plane. This nice Asian couple next to me said, oh, you have a flight. We'll stop everyone. And they get in the aisle like, he has a flight. I'm like, awesome. So they, they, they block the entire flight. I get out. I run 
through freaking Terminal A, and then you got to go down the escalator. As you get to the bottom of the escalator in Atlanta, there's a train that takes you to like the concourses are T, A, B, C, D, and E, and F. It's like this massive God's mulligan of airports. As I reach the bottom of the escalator, God smiles upon me, and the tram arrives, and the doors open up. And I'm like, that means I don't have to go on the moving walkway and run that way. I can take a couple on the train. Okay. Get to the train. I get to Terminal D. I run all the way down to the gate from exiting the plane in A to getting through the door on D. Nine and a half minutes. That might be a new record. Yeah! I knew it! (laughs) All right. What I want to know is how the hell do you people fly in and out of Atlanta? So we have LAX, which is actually worse than Atlanta, so I guess I get it. but, But every time I go there, it's like... Oh, there's uh, you either have four hours, 12 hours of layovers and storms, or you have 15 minutes. They say the road to hell includes a layover in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) That is completely true. So being a Delta flyer, I'm in and out of that place all the time. I try to avoid it at all costs because I can go through MSP or Salt Lake City normally or even Detroit. But man, Atlanta ain't great. What's so funny is when uh, we were originally scheduled to talk to Brandon a, a week or so ago, and uh-huh. he was tied up, and he was—I think you were traveling through Atlanta, right? That's right. What is your uh, what is your your worst best Atlanta ATL story? You've got to have one. Oh, I've got so many stories, but you know, like like any difficult situation, I've repressed about half of them and will take <laughs> hypnosis to, to extract them. But we just did a big investigation at the airport where they. Uh, a gun had gone off about 18 months ago. A felon had brought a gun through the checkpoint. And I thought, okay, they're going to put barriers up now. You know where they do that secondary screening where, yes. you know, they say hey, there's something in your bag. There's no barriers. The TSA doesn't have a barrier. And so the guy just reached into the bag and the gun went off when he grabbed it. Oh, shut down the airport in the world. What? Yeah, and that thought they would put the barriers in, but 18 months later, you can still reach into the bag. It's the honor system. So, Mon- so that's like the craziest story I've seen at the airport. Monroe Airport in uh, MLU in Louisiana, which is a little two-gate airport. It's actually the birthplace of Delta Airlines. That was my final destination on this trip. And they have a plexiglass barrier for the secondary. So if the conveyor kicks your bag to the back to slide out, you can't reach it. How can you do that at Atlanta, which is the world's busiest airport? Yeah, it, it's a mystery, isn't it? I mean, sometimes, you know, scale is not the answer, right? I mean, it's just so big uh, that sometimes they don't answer these problems. But that, that's really the TSA's responsibility. And we asked the TSA and they said they don't, you know, they, they're going to do a pilot program, but they're not really interested in it. Is there you somebody? you take your shoes off for a failed yeah. shoe bomber 20 years ago. Is, is there somebody to actually talk to at TSA? Do they actually respond? Because it just seems like it's yeah. the abyss of you know government bureaucracy and any question just goes into the, into the ether and nothing ever comes back. I think the thing that I was mildly annoyed at, definitely not amused with, is if you remember they went to those bins with conveyors at airports, then they started That's putting right. ads in the bottle, bottom of the bins. And you go, wait a minute. This is complete crap. You can't be monetizing security. Like, that just says right there, oh. We don't take it seriously. Not, it's not about security. It's about the ads that are in the bottom of the bins. I mean, what, like, what the hell? Your terror-free flight brought to you by. <laughs> Depends. Uh, well, so the point of this whole conversation is that as safe as air travel is, thanks to our uh, friends at the TSA, road travel has seemed to take a step back, especially at nighttime. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you noticed this. I the great thing about being an investigative reporter is you see something that doesn't seem right and you get to find out why. It's literally your job. 
And so that's kind of cool. So just driving down the road, I noticed more and more of these phantom vehicles, these cars with no headlights or headlights, but no taillights. And I know, okay, those are the daytime running lamps, but I flash the high beams or try to signal to them and they just think I'm a crazy person. They don't realize I'm trying to tell them their taillights are off Well, that's, and they don't even know it. Jay bought a sign that he could flash at people. You mean lightning he, me? Yes. Lightning, <laughs> lightning bought a sign that he could flash at people that scrolled. The problem is the sign scrolls too slowly that it was they even weirder than just flashing at them. They <laughs> yeah. couldn't read it that said, turn your lights on. All right. If this, yeah, go for the deep, d- I the deep like dive. I feel like this lighting. is a deep dive. Here, right. here we go. Hold on one second, Brandon. Prepare to dive. Prepare to dive. Hi, Captain. Captain, we're too deep. Nah, there's no such thing as too deep. Okay, that was too deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't play that one very often. All right, that, that's your intro there, uh, Brandon. So we are doing a deep dive into into ghost cars, phantom cars. And so this started home. And how long have I been chin and about this? Uh, Two, three years? More, no, longer more? Than that. Okay, longer since than the that. beginning of the episode. Well, the, 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 show. Pro- the problem is DRLs, right? Like that's what we've. I'm curious if. If our investigative reporter friend on the phone has aligned with the own internal investigative reporting on the Truck Show podcast. So Lightning and I have had an argument where, where you know, to me it's... it's Well, you said it was the, the dashboard and right. I said it was the DRLs. Right. And I think it's a combination of both because what I noticed is that several years ago there weren't LED. Well, there were daytime running lights, but they were usually dim incandescent bulbs. Right. That just had well, you're a talking bit of about glow. the LED signature lighting that's now on vehicles. That's that's correct. Which lights at the road. And I'm talking about back in 05, for example, when the Toyota Tacoma went to an LED lit backlit dash. It was on all the time. So there's nothing to cue you internally as to whether it's your headlight mode or just DRL mode. So I thought the DRLs are so bright with at the advent of LED, forward-facing LED, daytime running lights, that the average person sees a glow on the ground in front of them and assumes their lights and are the on. And the reason I disagree with that is because I think most people are driving where there's street lights and the road's already lit up. And I think they're seeing the dash. So, Brandon, what say you? Can you crack this... Uh, the this, code? Yeah, this uh, this Mexican standoff right, Do you want to know here. who's right? Yes. Do you want to know who's right? Yes. Holman and Lightning... Are both right <laughs> because it, it's a combination of the two. And so the daytime running lamps, you know, these have been out for years. And the irony is they were designed for safety, right? So to increase visibility during the day. But at night, if you think your your headlights are on because you do see a faint glow, and we were shooting video even in the bright Atlanta traffic, you know, you could see the daytime running lamps illuminating the road. And then if you look at the dashboard, there's this visual indicator because it's always on now. The instrument panel is always lit, you know, the gauge cluster. And so you're going to assume, oh, my lights are on. There's no sort of cue that your lights are off. You know, if you, if you were driving a 1987 you know, Silverado 1500, you're going to say, oh, my headlights are off because the dash is dark. And that's just not the case anymore. So the combination of those two are, are really uh, potentially deadly cocktail. That's like one of those uh, phrases investigative reporters like to throw out. <laughs> do you have a book of phrases? Friends. We do. You know, there's the whole, uh, you know, uh, sources close to the investigation. That's control. <laughs> that's people, a good one. You know, stuff like that. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely a combination in this case. 
And the proof of this actually is Porsche, who is yet to make a great pickup truck. But Porsche, where they're headquartered here in Atlanta, at least Porsche North America, they only have this always-on headlight feature on their vehicles that don't have always-on dashboards. They have a couple of vehicles they make that don't have always-on illuminated dashboards. And on those vehicles, they don't have the always-on headlights. And they said it's because they're not necessary. Like they are in the other. Well, well, and as things change, where you go away from traditional gauges to a screen that is displaying a graphic of gauges, there's not going to be any way to know that that screen is, you know, it's either on or off. It's either displaying the gauges or not. It's like a TV. They don't have like some of the, remember when they first had the big screens for just the audio and you could actually turn it off. You could go to black, but they're not going to offer that for your Speedo and your. No, you have to have that. Yeah, things like that. So I notice it mostly on Lexus. Toyota and Lexus specifically, I don't know why Lexus is it the turn the dial on the left side where you're where it's auto on off and they just it gets clicked and they don't know it or but I'm telling you I, it's about 70% Lexus no. where I, I, I find this issue. All right, we have to do a survey because I've seen it a lot on Volvos, Mazdas are really notorious and even Teslas. Which I haven't as seen automated as the freaking Tesla is, hmm. you would think that that wouldn't be a thing. But again, it has those screens that are always on. And I think as we get into the EVs and even the internal combustion hybrids that are now replacing traditional gauges with a screen, it, the problem's going to get even worse if uh, if the manufacturers don't figure out a way to let people know they're driving at night with their uh, headlights off. So, uh, Brandon, a couple questions. You did this investigation and you came to a conclusion, as I recall in your piece, where you said, look, we're stuck with this for a certain number of years, right? Because there are vehicles built between X date and X date, like a a swath of a decade's worth of these vehicles that can go in ghost mode, right? But that's going to change. It will end because there's, I think, a Canadian law. Can you bring us up to speed on what you found? Yeah, so the Canadians are to the rescue. It it kind of uh, shocked us uh, in the middle of the story where we found out that Porsche has like the best technology, but Canada has the best regulations. So we have German engineering and Canadian regulations to thank for fixing this. But Canada, uh, and it's mostly the northern so, you know, hemisphere country, extreme northern hemisphere, like Canada, Norway, Sweden, they have all these regulations related to headlights because you know for half the year they're driving in the dark. And so Canada said, wait a second, if you're going to have daytime running lamps, our regulation is that the taillights must also illuminate. So if your DRLs are on, your taillights are on. When the, the alternative is an, a default always auto on headlights that you can't deactivate. Now, I know we all hate those nanny controls that you can't turn off. Um, but in this case, they gave them really three options. And all of them make sure under these Canadian regulations that you cannot possibly be driving at night without taillights or headlights. And what's great about that is that the manufacturers to save money in North America, if you sell cars in North America, why would you make an American version and a Canadian version? They're just starting to make these vehicles sold in the United States that already have these safety features ready to go. And so they're already hitting the market. It's just they're going to take 12 to 14 years to replace the current fleet that's on the road. So what are the new vehicles that is basically uh, coming out right now is the uh, new Chevrolet Colorado and GMC Canyon, which no longer feature a physical headlight switch. Oh, no kidding. So those vehicles, you have to control it through the infotainment screen. So basically it's um, a sub-menu inside the 11.3-inch touchscreen, 
And the problem is that if you reach a daylight you know, headlight section, you might have to fiddle with the touchscreen, or if you need to control your lights to turn them off, you have to do it. Otherwise, they're they're automatic. And I'm guessing that's probably because of these new regulations coming out. And my guess is you're going to see that uh, this becomes standard across GM vehicles as they you know move to new platforms. The other thing is how many people complain that the four-wheel drive switch and headlight switch look like each other or took up that real estate. So GM is saying, well, basically, we can get rid of the headlight switch. We can solve this problem. We'll make them automatic all the time. And we free up space to the left of the steering wheel Makes sense. for secondary controls. Right. Yeah, I have a 21 uh, GMC Yukon myself. And nice. the switch, is, is it's got a... Um, a, a spring in it so you can turn yes. the headlights off but the spring automatically sends it back mechanically to auto and the next time you uh, cycle the ignition it's going to default back to auto no matter what you do i wonder on the vehicles that i'm seeing that we're all seeing how they get like that like are they taking it to a mechanic uh, or car wash or like under what circumstances someone turning it off manually are they in their driveways sitting at night yeah, on the phone I mean, for a while I, I, i've done turn that. it off so they sure. don't annoy their neighbors i come home at night and i may you know be eating tacos in the driveway after a night of uh, <laughs> binge smoking uh, cigars and, uh, yeah. and bourbon mm-hmm. and you gotta have tacos. i got a simple answer for you yeah i mean we're well two things one as an investigative reporter sometimes we stake out corrupt officials you know if you've got two uh, headlights on that doesn't help so turn those off but obviously they're not making them for the the sort of subset of uh the market that does investigative reporting. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I'm parked on a hill uh, at, a, at a light uh, waiting for it to change. And because of the angle of the hill, I am blinding the driver on the other side of the intersection. And in those cases, I switch to the parking lights and until I'm through the intersection. Well, I think you're bearing the headline here. The headline is uh, there are still courteous drivers in America. That's what I'm getting out yeah, of this. No. Yeah. <laughs> not, not many of them. Holman has been with me on several occasions when I've flashed people, and I mean with my headlights, because my the other kind of flashing up lo- that's that, a, that would actually cause an accident. Yeah, that's exactly the safety want issue. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't. Are those get man boobs or other? So I, so the the flashing. <laughs> Your high beams are on. It's cold out. <laughs> exactly. So the the flashing doesn't work because the flashing tells the guy in front of you get out of the way. And it's Southern California here, and they don't care. They're like, nope, I'm going to go 50. It in, also in the says, high, in the shoot s- at me if you happen to have a gun Well, in that's your in car. East L.A., yes. But yeah. so the flashing just doesn't work almost ever. They have no idea. No, they have idea. no idea because they're looking at their dash, and they see the road lit so up, then and they see their dash lit I'm up. I'm behind them, and I go off, on, off yes. with my headlights. And I'm they going, think you're going to attack them, so they speed up. So it's now they're if, even more dangerous. If someone behind me is turning their headlights off and then on again— that like I'm thinking, okay, they're signaling me to do something, and I'm looking around, and they, that doesn't work either. So then I use it my. It doesn't. It doesn't work. No. So then I get my freaking taser and I wag at him, which is totally illegal. I go left, right, left, right, like a police car, because I can make my lights flash left and right. And in my ambers, that doesn't work either. So then I get up on the side of them and I roll the window down. At this down. point, you just need to drive away. You've spent too much effort. No, totally of your obsessed. Time. Totally obsessed. And I get to the side of them. I roll the window down and I like headlights. And then they don't roll the window down because they've scared them. Then I get my flashlight, my oh, little streamlight, and I flashlight them. You're gonna and die. They, and then they roll the window down. Yeah, but it's like a little old lady. She finally rolls the window down, and I go, "Your headlights are off. Your lights." And then are she off. can't hear you. No, she hears me, and she goes. She looks at me, and she goes. No, they're on. They're on. And I said, right. they're off. And I said, your lights are off. She's like, no, they're on. And she, no, she's arguing with me. 
Why, why would I be lying to her at 45 miles an hour in the slow lane on the freeway? <laughs> because you're this crazy. Of, You've chased her. This You've, reminds me of, uh, do you remember John Candy and um, Planes, Trains, yes, and Automobiles? Yes. They're driving the wrong way on the interstate, and the guy goes, you're driving the wrong way. And John Candy goes, how, how do they know? Or you're going the wrong way. And they say, how do they know where we're going? They don't know where we're going. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. My, my dad was the same uh, response. Was driving me home from the uh, the you know uh, miscarriage of an airport that LAX was, and we're going down the 405. And sure enough, here's a car speeding by, ghost mode, right? And then it almost runs in the back of another car with no taillights on. And we're like, what? Well, now they're so pervasive, they're going to hit each other. Yeah. When you're doing this reporting, Brendan, did you talk to anyone who was in an accident because of this? Or did you just go up on every car you saw, flash them, run them off the road and yell, <laughs> your headlights are off. And then when they pulled over, you said, hi, I'm an investigative journalist. I'd like to know why. <laughs> Pretty much. The, the first thing I did is I actually went through our own archive of acts of major accidents in our news station. And, and the company I work for, uh, is, our parent company is called Gray Television. They own over 100 television stations across the country. And so through our intranet, I can search every news story we've ever done. And I pulled up all these crashes that with the keyword lights or headlights. And it turns out there's almost always a secondary factor that was treated by the police as a primary factor. So obviously alcohol, speeding, things like that. So very rarely are they writing this down as, oh, it was uh, the lack of headlights caused the crash or the lack of taillights. I think it's very similar to lane use, which is one of my biggest pet peeves when someone is in the in the hammer lane and you know they're driving uh, like Miss Daisy and they have no idea. I mean, like, hey, here's a clue. If you look in your rearview mirror and there's a stack of cars behind you and you look forward and the road is clear, you're the problem. You know, <laughs> it's like call up, call what? up Taylor's I'm Not the me. problem, it's me. Yeah. You know, and and so, but the thing is though that that's a primary uh, cause in many crashes, but it's never written down that way because what you have is someone behind that slow driver who then swerves into the right lane to pass them, and then it causes a crash or road rage or whatever. But then, you know, the sort of second level you know, originating cause isn't on the police report. Hmm. So no one's tracking this is the bottom line. I actually called two police departments here in Metro Atlanta, and they generally don't like to hear from me very much because we're usually you know, <laughs> right. holding them accountable for something. But I'm like, no, guys, this is a good one. We're going to go and do a ride along with you, and you're going to talk about, you know, this problem. We're going to help. We're going to work as public safety partners. And they say, we're not seeing the problem. And the reason is they're not seeing it as a primary cause when it really yeah. is a primary cause. They're not cause. seeing it in, in their statistics that they're writing down. So to them, they, there's a, always at a police department, there's a statistician who looks at through all the tickets and accident reports and regular case study numbers, and, and then they'll assign location. And they track all these different categories of crimes or accidents or traffic so they can uh, uh, look on the map and see hot spots within the city where there might be some sort of a pattern happening, and then they'll go, you know, adjust their resources. But if that person doesn't have that category to, you know, write it down, it doesn't really exist to the department, at least not the administration side of it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And so then it becomes a big problem. And that's why we did a story on it because we saw no one had actually looked into this. I mean, usually what I do is you know, stories that change laws, put corrupt officials in prison, you know, that kind of thing. 
we, we look at systemic and institutional failures. This one seemed, sort of seemed like low-hanging fruit. Um, but the bottom line is it affects everyone, and especially in a city like Atlanta where – you know, Atlanta's like L.A. in terms of being spread out. You you know, the, there isn't a lot of reliable public transportation. So we're a driving city. And we spend a lot of time in our cars because Atlanta, as you know, is an hour's drive from Atlanta and uh, because of the traffic. <laughs> and so, yeah, we wanted to make sure we could help, you know, people uh, stay safe. And But the bottom line is I was seeing it every night um, and, and seeing it more and more, which actually makes the argument that it's the dashboard's uh, the the gauge clusters are the primary cause only because DRLs have been out for more than 20 years and these illuminated dashboards are a newer phenomenon. I'm going to take that as a win, Lightning. Oh, yeah, No, he said it was both of us. And right, I then he backtracked we, and just clarified just the, his stance the, right the there. The dashboards. Yeah. Well, what do we do, Brendan, in your opinion, after having flashed your headlights, turn them off and on, and, and, and yelling at people? Well, you didn't. I did. How do we communicate this? I would like – so I, I bought – I went on Amazon. I actually did a little bit of research, which – who had the best um, LED scrolling screen. And I bought one that was about eight or nine inches square. You program it with your mobile app, and you can do happy faces, middle finger. You can do a scrolling message, whatever. It goes in the back window, has a little suction mount, and I would scroll the word headlights, and that didn't work. And then I would hold it out my window like literally at the person and i'd scroll headlights and they wouldn't read it or didn't care so that's out that's not going to work is do i make a giant led thing and i put it backwards like the word ambulance on my hood so when i'm behind someone they can read it in the rear view this as lights like is there a solution to get people to turn on the freaking lights because i'm seeing it every single day and sometimes i'll see two and three a night yeah i have an idea first and foremost though what you're doing this show all kidding aside, I know that this show is fun and irreverent and all that, but this is a public service you're doing right now because if one person out there listening thinks about this and then says, wait, you know what? I'm going to look for that icon on the dashboard. You know, no one knows what any of those icons mean, but those there's a headlight icon that'll tell you if your headlights are on or just your parking lights or just your DRLs. And then the story we did, but one thing I'm looking at doing is going old school um, you know, when I was younger, I got, gosh, I'm 55 this year. So I've started driving in the early eighties. Um, I had a CB and the CB had a PA system on it. Oh! Remember those? Oh God. You said the magic oh, word. He's standing up with his arms in the air. Yes! He's right? screaming. Right? Hold on. Wait, so Brandon they sell know these this. little eight ohm speakers. <laughs> oh, do you have one? Oh, Brandon, no. wait, stop. Okay. Wait, wait, Brandon, hold on one second. So we had the president of Phoenix, um, it's F E N I E. They make emergency first responder vehicle things such as they make all the sirens all that and stuff. I just bought mm-hmm. a yeah. PA system with not one but two 100 watt PA speakers that I'm installing on my truck. Manana. Tomorrow they're going in. I'm doing. I've got the See, handset. This, this is the I've difference got... between you and me because when I had my 1994 Ranger uh, Splash, I installed a PA system on it. So I too could yell at people. Well, except, that was so because that was so you could order was, more stuff in the drive-through. You could. It, you could that's order exactly stuff what and, I did. We would pull up to the drive-through <laughs> and they say, "Welcome to McDonald's. What do you want?" And you're like, "I would want a sandwich, fries, and a Big Mac." I'm sorry, sir. I can't understand you. What I said was. Oh, it was awesome. So I thought you would say you order more stuff for the guy in front of you who's in line. So no, that's funny too. It's like a cup of coffee at McDonald's, and you pile on like you know twenty Big Macs. This is the problem. Nobody wants to hear your voice. It's already tenable 
that you're on a podcast and you're coming through their their stereo system. But these are people that don't know me. Can I tell you a quick story about the PA system Please. that I used to have in my car? Yeah. Okay, so my best friend, Charles, we've, we've been best friends since third grade. We're still best friends in our 50s. But back when I was in college, I had like a hand-me-down Subaru GL, and I had the CB in it because I had to drive uh, from Connecticut to Ohio for college back and forth on, on uh, I-80 with the speed limit was 55 through Pennsylvania, and they were notorious for getting you at 56. You know, and I wanted to do like, you know, what the car is supposed to do, which is 80, which I don't think that Subaru could do. But anyway, so I had the CB and I had the PA system in there. And when I was home visiting from college, we went to Burger King. And we pull in, and it was about 9.30, and we figure, oh, it closes at 10. But we pull in, we pull up to the drive-thru. It's all lit up, but nobody's talking to us. So we pull forward to the window, and we look inside, and we see that there's a guy mopping the floor. So we go, oh, it's closed. And my friend Charles says, hey, you still have that PA system, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, we can't be the only ones thinking this place is open. He goes, pull around to the drive-thru again. So we park behind the drive-thru. Like, there's like a little island there where the uh, – you know, where the trash, uh, uh, dumpsters are. And so we park behind the drive through screen and it's all lit up. So no one can see us there. And we wait for a guy. Now to realize this is, you know, mid eighties. So it's an, a guy pulls in in an I rock Z with T tops. <laughs> yes. And, and we awesome. go, welcome to Burger King. Can I take your order, please? That's awesome. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah. And the, guy, and the guy's like, you know, Whopper. Oh, we only have big Macs. Well, this is Burger King. Yeah, but we only have Big Macs now. We switched to Big Macs. This goes on. And then we go, okay, that'll be forty two fifty. What? What? 42 Yeah, the prices went up. This went on for a while until finally we insulted his girlfriend and he threatened to hurt us. And, and I said, why don't you come up through the window and say that? And he peeled out. People peeled out the entrance. Well, I had it when I was a reporter in New York City. I had one in my car. And when there's somebody like uh, holding up an intersection, I would because of the it would bounce off the buildings. You wouldn't know where it was coming from, and so I would just like, all right, move it along. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had no idea where it was coming from. It's just so the voice of I'm God. I'm thinking of putting that on my news car just so we can, you know, for the head. I don't know. It, look, I don't. I, I'm, this is not the legal segment. I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on TV. <laughs> so this isn't legal advice. But I wonder. I don't know what the, uh, you know, what the legality of it is. But it's certain makes a lot of sense if you can tell someone without distracting them in any other way to hey your headlights are off i think you're doing a public service hello this is an investigative reporter from wanf please <laughs> dial into our station 46 and learn about how to turn your headlights on thank you <laughs> yep right <laughs> It is illegal in California. I looked it up. To yell at people? No, to be to have a PA system. Well, with, as long as it can be heard within like 100 feet of the car or something like it's that. It's something pretty shallow. Yeah, it's like it 30 feet or something yeah. ridiculous, right? Yeah. And it probably has to do with stereo people like systems you, back. No, yeah. probably like loud stereo uh -huh. systems back in the day. Who knows what? I don't know. But so what? What are they going to do? The cops are going to pull you over like, I was trying to help this old lady to turn her lights uh -huh. on so she didn't get creamed. Like, are they going to yell at me for that? I don't know. I mean, it'll be an interesting story to tell as you feel the, the uh, steel bracelets go click-click on your hands. Yeah. Wouldn't be the first Sign time. Sign here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really appreciate, uh, Brendan, I, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I want to keep you on our good side. If you ever have any future automotive-related investigative reporting that we can either uh, help with or have you come back no. on to talk about, we'd love to do that. But basically, I'm doing this out of the selfish desire for you not to investigate subpar podcasts. 
Yeah. No, you guys are awesome. Uh, really love the podcast. I listened to several uh, episodes. You've got a new listener. Um, Appreciate that. And Thank just you. Th- just yeah, thrilled to uh, thrilled to join you, and I'm glad you recognized our reporting, and hopefully it saved some lives. We uh, we would like uh, you to be our honorary uh, truck show podcast investigative reporter, and feel free to come back on anytime. Yeah, and you let us know when there's something we need to investigate, and we'll jump on it. Can I throw something out, Brandon? Um, so one of my friends, BJ Dahl, started basically. He's in the process of creating the Car Chase Channel. I think he, I better not say the network. I think he's working on doing a network deal. He is out here at a CBS two affiliate. I think you guys are CBS as well. Correct. Yep. They say I put the BS in CBS. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he is the guy that first started putting the, by the car, way, we the put the chases. uck in truck. Yeah, we did the uck in truck. <laughs> yeah. I like that. We need that. <laughs> so he started broadcasting uh, or streaming the high speed pursuits on Facebook direct. We also so, put the odd in pod. So would you stop it? <laughs> so anyway, I'm getting at high-speed pursuits. I'm sure that they happen in Atlanta, just like L.A., and what they do is they oftentimes go to experts, and they never know what kind of truck or car the the, the, the guy or girl is, is driving. I follow one of the helicopter guys, and when it's live, I'll, I'll DM him, and he's checked DMs to figure out what it is, and I've hit him up before. So I'm offering up Holman across from me here, who I think is an expert in the field and could be called upon if you, who also seem like an expert, aren't available. They could reach out to Holman and say, we think he's, this, this guy is going 120 miles an hour on uh, on, the, on the highway, and we think he's in a Tahoe. And then he comes out and goes, no, that's a, that's a, that's a GMC, blah, blah, blah. Like, and he goes, that's got a 5.3 liter engine. It's only capable. It's got a speed limiter of 111. He knows all this stuff. So I want to offer him up as a resource. That's brilliant. That, you're so right, though. Uh, I was a chopper reporter for five years in Houston, did a bunch of car chases. And, you know, you're it's it's see it, say it reporting. You, you see what you, whatever you see, you're saying it because you have no sort. You're not on the ground. You can't talk to the sources. So you're just describing it. And unfortunately, sometimes in the helicopter, they put people who don't know about cars and then also don't know about, you know, they, they call the pit maneuver the wrong thing. They'll call it the pursuit intervention technique when that's not its precision, you know, immobilization technique. And, you know, they'll screw up all those things. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm a details oriented guy. I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'd be sitting there. It's, it's been several years, but I'll say, Oh, that's a 1970 Monte Carlo with a 354 barrel, you know, carburetor. And, (laughs) and so, and that, you know, back, back then they're like, yeah, but what's he wanted for? Hey, let's talk about the car. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get the car right first. Because if you get the car wrong, what else do you have wrong? Right. Uh, Am I I right? Right. You're right. right. Yeah. So I actually help local police departments too, when they have a, uh, um, something caught on video, and they're looking for a suspect car. I have a couple departments that will send it my way and go, hey, can you identify the car that's in this freeze frame? So uh, please, if I could ever be a, uh, a resource for identifying vehicles, it's uh, it's one of my superpowers. Yep. And if you need a jackass, especially if- <laughs> I, I got you. If it's a custom job, I mean, you, you might be talking about it. You know, there's three or four of them in the whole country. Absolutely. So, you know, that that's really helpful. You know, hey, look, my cousin Vinny. I mean, it, it determined the whole case, knowing what kind of car was involved. 100%. Yeah, right. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, fantastic. We'd love to check in with you again if we can find an excuse. And I appreciate uh, yeah. you mostly because you gave me one more uh, hash in the uh, correct column. So between well, Lightning and I... Hold on a second. I think that we what? were... He started and I right, uh-huh. still maintain you, okay, we're both right. I get two, you get a half. It's perfect. No, 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 no. We're, it's, it, let, let's sum this up. Brandon, how are we? If I said it was the DRLs and he said it was the... Uh, 
the dashboard. Are we are we fifty fifty on this? It's a combination. It's, right, it's, but it's, you have to have it's a yin and yang thing. You got to have yeah. both to it's a, it's a cocktail. So you're both right. But what I heard Brendan say is a sixty forty. It's sixty forty. No, he didn't say seventy thirty. No, he said, you need both, but no, it's seventy thirty in my 50. favor. The 50, dashboard 50. is a catalyst, but the DRL started it. So that just <laughs> right there. Look, you have to have you have to have a fuel and oxygen mixture, right? So which one makes the engine go? The air fuel ratio is fifty fifty in this one. It's one to one, right? <laughs> Come on, give me some five star right here. Come on. All so right. there's only one way to settle this. We have to get a couple of PA speakers and have a PA off. No, we can't Ooh. we can't have a PA off. <laughs> All right. We're gonna leave the two guys at the intersection going, hey what Turn on your headlights. No, you turn on your <laughs> headlights. You turn off your PA. Uh, you know, somebody's stealing that. It's going to be on t- uh, TikTok next week. Yes, so. it is. <laughs> All right. Brandon, you were the best. Thank you very much for carving out some time for us. We really thanks, appreciate brother. it. Appreciate it. Home and Lightning, thanks a lot. Take care. All right. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you. So, speaking of investigative reporting, did you see what happened to Andre at TFL Truck the other day? He posted something kind of interesting on YouTube. Well, and I think part of uh, his comment was in regards to the iDash. A little bit. Okay. The bank's iDash. Right. As opposed to the other iDash that's out there? I don't know. I don't think. No, as far as I know, we've owned the trademark, okay. the patented material. Yes. Yeah. So what happened was he bought himself a 2023 Colorado. Yep. And he has had it for about six weeks. I think the second day he had it, he put on an iDash. He wanted to see extra parameters. He wanted to see things that the dashboard was not displaying, like commanded gear, some speeds, pressures, et cetera, that the dashboard wasn't displaying. Anyway, just the other day after he got home from a trip, he gets in his truck to start it up and the dashboard is blank. The center stack, the stereo, it comes on. The cameras seem to work okay, but the dashboard is black. Which is a big no-no. NHTSA... If that's an issue, uh, they will uh, yank your car for a full recall. And VintFast, which is that, uh, uh, I believe it's a Vietnamese electric car company, just had all the cars in America yanked for that very same thing. Oh, no way. Of the main gauge cluster screen going kaput. Okay. So he, 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 he fires it up. It's running. He turns it off. He does it a bunch of different times. He disconnects the battery a few times. Nothing helps. He can still see the data. He, he can still drive because he can see RPM, speed, all his pressure stamps, etc. on the iDash. The iDash is connected through the OBD port. So it's still live and happy. And he can even record data as he's driving down the street. But he can't see anything on the dashboard. So he put this up on his YouTube well, channel. No, no, right? no. He can see everything on the dashboard. He can't see anything inside the driver information center. So the, the gauge cluster screen is bad. The center stack screen on the dash is fine. Oh, you can see when I say the dashboard, I always mean the. the I, but you can't do you can't do that cluster, because right? yeah. that doesn't apply to modern trucks anymore. You're right. Most modern trucks have multiple screens. You're right. So the the gauge cluster. Gauge I just want to make sure people right in front of the steering wheel. Yes, people following along can understand why this is a. Who, okay, he couldn't drive it because his the stereo car, didn't car show? play didn't work. Right. right. Yeah. No. 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 That was all still on on the Colorado. It has a digital gauge cluster, so no needles or anything. It's all an image. It's all pictures, just like if your iPhone was up there, like pixels. You know, exactly. And so the uh, the pixels were off. Hey, guys, I wanted to show you a problem I'm having with my brand new 2023 Chevy Colorado that I recently purchased. So jump in with me and I can describe the issue and show it to you. So let me show you kind of the state of the truck. I'm using a Banks iDash Data Monster gauge, which is the only way currently that I know my RPM, my speed, my fuel level, 
and some other data. I mean, I can have many different data parameters. Why do I have this gauge plugged into my OBD2 port? Um, it's because we use the gauge on our iGauntlet runs and I'm uh, learning about it and I'm studying some extra parameters. So I've been kind of leaving this in and it's been here for at least a couple of weeks. All right, so basically he gets into his vehicle, he starts it up, it's running, or he, he starts it up and no uh, no DIC, no gauge cluster. Then he starts it up, still doesn't come up. He's showing how the center stack screen and cameras are doing their thing. And yet the only thing working was the bank's iDash. So it's still able to pull information off the can and display it. So uh, I guess technically he would have been in compliance to drive on the street because he would know his speed and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it was interesting. Here's how this went down earlier today. This this video just went live today when we're recording this. And we got tagged. Uh, Banks got tagged a couple times. They're like, oh, I bet it was the Banks iDash that was uh, causing a conflict in the can Which it doesn't data. work that way. I've heard other no. people say that, but if it's plugged in and it's not overloading the bus, it's just reading what's going through. So there's a couple things going on. And people said that about you connect five on the Stellantis vehicles. Yeah. They said, oh, my thing's wigging out because of the iDash no. or because of whatever my scan was gauge or whatever the gauge they had plugged in at the time. So that's not how it works. The diagnostic bus, the OBD port, is just that. It's diagnostic. It's secondary to every other module on the vehicle. So when the ECM turns on, it checks in with all the body control module, the transmission control module, all those modules all get priority. The diagnostic bus is secondary or tertiary. It's only after everything else is live that the diagnostic port is enabled and data will stream back and forth between the ECM and this diagnostic device. So that's and it's also on a different protocol, right? It's not talking to the body control module, which ultimately leads to the module that feeds the back of this instrument cluster. So there's a whole separate module that feeds data to this digital display. So the bottom line is I had to go on and explain to a bunch of guys on this thread all the comments in this video. It's not the bank's iDash. So then one of our engineers who saw the video hits me with this little thing. He says, hey, uh, Jay, just FYI, on May 16th, GM dropped a TSB, a technical service bulletin, addressing this behavior. The IPC display and radio blank, no audio, OnStar, will not set up or connect, typically found at PDI. What's Which PDI? Pre-delivery yeah. inspection. So basically, when your vehicle comes from the factory... It's all plastic wrapped and it's got, you know, uh, cellophane on it and plastic on the seats and all sorts of stuff. They It goes to the dealer and it goes through a process called PDI where the dealer techs go through and do a big checklist to make sure everything, like, you know, the fluids are topped off right from the factory and all the plastics are removed and the protective coatings are removed and it, you know, has... Um, you know, battery voltage and oh. just everything's working right. And, and you know, it's that process that goes from being a dirty vehicle that has been on a train or yeah. a uh, or on a truck. Do you remember when I bought the Rock up. Crusher and uh, my, my lifted dually? Before yep. it was when I bought it at a, a GMC dealer in Culver City. I pick it up and it has three white fender flares and one black one. <laughs> and I'm like, how did that get through? Oh, the, there's the all PDI. sorts of weird stuff yeah. though. I remember back in, I don't know, the 90s where uh, the Mercury Topaz and the Ford Tempo, I think, shared a, a platform 
and they had different interiors, but you can get beige on both of them. And Car and Driver had a test car where the driver's seat pattern was different than the passenger seat pattern. So it had like a Ford <laughs> driver's seat and a Mercury passenger seat. So, I mean, it happens. Yeah. And, I mean, you can make, like, my my wife has a one-of-one one Grand Cherokee that was pushed through. Right. Uh, so it, it uh, you can do different things on this. So, anyway, this, this technical service bulletin addresses this. And they it says right here that normally it's caught during this PDI process. Sure. But it says the cause is a logic lockup usually due to low voltage, so which is interesting. Yeah, if there's a, that's probably why they catch it at PDI, because if the vehicle's been on a truck or a train for weeks, it's probably drawn down. And uh, it's interesting, they say the corrective action for it is to disconnect the battery for 15 minutes and reconnect, which is so funny, because so many of our vehicles today, that's the go-to. It's the hard restart. And Jim's saying, yeah, do it, and then recheck the functions, and then they're saying... If it's returned, then go check for software updates and complete, uh, attempt to complete that. But if it's not resolved, then head on over to your uh, dealer because there's codes and other things that you'll get covered under warranty. But it'll be interesting to see if this uh, if this goes past being a TSB and goes on to being a recall, depending on how many are affected or if an over-the-air update is possible. Yeah, usually with the Uconnect uh, on my truck, there were guys on the TRX groups and the Ram 1500 groups that were complaining about their... It was looking like an old Atari that went all green and like like all wacky colors on the 12 inch screen. So they ended up fixing it after, I think, two updates, pushing these over the air updates. If you remember, Holman, uh, my CarPlay was wigging out. It didn't matter if I did it. And uh, therefore, you were wigging out. Yeah, because I'm looking at the sound is horrible. It was, it, was, it was doing this. This will annoy you, but it was doing this. It'll fix it. Please little update. Eh. All good. Sounds like my transfer case. It was awful. No, but it was higher pitched and super annoying in the middle of music. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so after two um, pushes, you the, uh, software remove updates, your they drive shaft. No, I didn't. Okay, just I didn't have to do anything. They, I, I, I guarantee you, that's not me. as annoying. No, they they can't fix your drive shaft uh, wirelessly, can mm-hmm. they? Nope. No, no. So thank you to Andre for posting that video and getting banks in the middle of it. That was kind of cool. You can find it at TFL Truck on YouTube. Uh, are we ready for some news, Mister Holshot? Sure. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Oh, that was good. That was all right. Last week's might have been better. It was good. I didn't say it was great. It was good. All right. The reason I didn't really uh, show a lot of excitement for getting into news is because I have sad news, and that's... Jack Rebney, the Winnebago man himself, passed away last week at the uh, ripe old age of 93. No! No, no. According to uh, Entertainment Weekly, uh, Ben Steinbauer, who is a friend of Rebney's and the director of the famous 2009 documentary Winnebago Man, uh, confirmed the news and uh, said that uh, Jack had been living on the coast of Southern Oregon for the last several years and... (laughs) This is this is sort of a funny quote. (laughs) Listening to MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS on Sirius Radio, and was preparing to produce some podcasts of a political nature. Uh, He said he had a faithful dog, Kiri, and a community of neighbors who looked after him, and he hated flies right up to the end. (laughs) We got flies all over the place. Son of a bitch! Get out of here, you flies! (laughs) There's a fly over the headlight, Tony. (laughs) We got flies coming for us. out of here flies we got three flies five flies and if you will make sure if you will 
We don't have that fly on the left side, on the passenger side, because we don't have that in frame, but make sure we don't have any flies here. And we don't have any flies. Get out of here, you goddamn jackass! <laughs> He's spotting you to fly. In uh, 1988, uh, Rebney, who was a uh, former broadcast journalist, uh, made a, a name for himself by <laughs> recording a uh, Winnebago commercial or several, and uh, just couldn't contain his anger. He was uh, so, it was almost like uh, recording, if you guys were in the studio watching Lightning and I record this episode, <laughs> uh, it's it's very similar to that, uh-huh. uh, all the stuff that ends up on the floor. But So wait a minute, I don't think people, if, if you're new to Winnebago Man, Google it to find out how to stream it, you have to see it's it. It's right on YouTube, yeah. Winnebago Man, it, it right is on YouTube. one of the greatest things you'll ever find. Essentially, it's the guy who was a pro, who was hired to, to pimp Winnebago vehicles in these, you know, videos for new owners or commercials, and just had profanity-laced eruptions in, bet- in between <laughs> takes, and it's very much like it is here the the podcast studio in the pod shed, where when we flub and mess up, there are strings of tapestries of uh, foul language that uh, could rival uh, the Winnebago man. Yet we don't have anybody here doing outtakes, which is a really good thing. So. Um, but anyway, see, hold on, hold on. You're you're missing the point that that I haven't gotten to the point yet. Well, the, okay. So the point is that this was all recorded, right? And and Jack Rebney didn't know that all these outtakes existed. No, and then there was like a subculture of VHS enthusiasts where uh, it was like a tape trading community, and so this clip found a new audience uh, through the Found Footage Festival uh, via Joe Pickett and Nick, uh, I guess Pruer. It was a traveling show that basically celebrated the videos that Time Forgot dredged up in dusty thrift stores and estate sales throughout North America. And uh, it just it, it went on from there. Uh, Steinbauer basically put it together in this documentary called The Winnebago Man and tries to find him. And it's this whole thing of he comes across these tapes and then he finds the man behind it and then kind of de- delves into his life. And anyway, it's it's freaking Amazing. So it's amazing, and it's actually touching. It's touching. It's amazing. The guy did not know. Check it out, because he freaked out, and he moved up to the woods. Yeah. And like legit, like in isolation, him and his dog. And he had no idea that he was legitimately famous among college kids all over the world. And so they drag him kicking and screaming to a theater. They're like, you're famous. He's like, what? No. He does he had not, no idea. He cannot figure it out. And at first, he wanted nothing to do with it. It took him a while to befriend him. So they finally get him to this theater where they have a screening, and it's it's moving. It is wild. Winnebago Man. If you've never seen yeah. it, please it, it, treat yourself. Yeah. And it went it went viral, and he became this like begrudging you know celebrity. Like he didn't want any bit of it, but then he couldn't really turn it away because it came looking for him. <laughs> and I really like the last paragraph of this Entertainment Weekly story when they're talking to uh, Pickett and Pruer. And he says, Jack was the holy grail of VHS heroes we wanted to meet, but were nervous he'd hate us or throw a punch. Instead, when we met him at a show and he saw how much joy his hilarious outtakes brought people, he actually hugged us at the end of the night. And keep in mind, this is a man who called a fly a goddamn jackass. (laughs) We've all had frustrating days at work, but none of us has expressed it as colorfully or as eloquently as Jack Rebney. He will be missed. And uh, this podcast has dropped some uh, Jack Rebney quotes from time to time. Accoutrement! That's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. The accoutrement that you will need. Accoutrement! So that's all Winnebago, man. It, again, if you have not seen that uh, documentary, it is uh, definitely one of the more fun 
lighthearted, touching. Uh, you won't you won't see it coming, and then it all of a sudden you're like, man, this is it. It, touches, it, it pulls my heartstrings. If you have teenagers that are uh, old enough to hear uh, curse words, yeah. it's uh, it's your duty as a parent to treat them to it. All right, lighting. Did you hear? How about new? Nope, I don't think so. Oh man, last week was the uh, 24 Tacoma. This week it's the uh, all new Chevy Colorado ZR2 Bison. What you talking about, Willis? Oh, my Lord. All right, so Chevy Colorado Zero Two, badass little uh, midsize pickup truck, and it's on 33s, and then GM went to a little company you may have heard of called American Expedition Vehicles and said, can you make us relevant again? And AV said- <laughs> Do you think they said that? Hold my beer. Tires, 31570 uh, R17s, which are basically- 35s, they, they work out to like a 34 and a half, but for all, you know, they're the P metric or LT metric uh, equivalent of a 35. That's huge. No other midsize truck. Even the Ranger Raptor, 33s. Tacoma, 33s. Uh, they're on the AV, beadlock capable wheels. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's got special big old AV fender flares on it that are specific to the Bison. The flares stick out further to cover the extra inch of track width compared to a standard ZR2, mm-hmm. which already has wider track uh, track width. Tell me about the bumpers, please. The Bison also sits a half inch higher, and uh, they even uh, removed material so th- uh, behind the tires so that the, they wouldn't rub, which is awesome. So Bumpers? Hold on. How about hydraulic bump stops? Front and rear. Wait a minute. Do any other midsize trucks have hydraulic bump stops from the factory? No. Huh. And there's no other truck that has hydraulic bump stops except for your TRX in the front with the uh, Bilstein JCOs. Interesting. And so uh, you get the Multimatic DSSV shocks, which are awesome. You get hydraulic bump stops front and rear. You get the same rock sliders that are on the ZR2, but the new bumpers are unique to the Bison. They're AV design bumpers made by AV, not just licensed to GM from AV. They actually make them, and they're winch capable in the front. And hot stamped boron steel. You get five hot stamped boron steel skid plates underneath from just three aluminum skid plates on the regular ZR2. Wow, that's a that's a big deal. You can get messy. You can uh, you can have some fun. The standard Colorados have a seventy seven hundred pound towing capacity. The ZR2 Bison is down to uh, fifty nine hundred pounds compared to six thousand of the ZR2. Uh, it also loses some bed space because it gets a bed-mounted spare, uh, AV style. If you've seen a Prospector XL, the way they mount it in the driver's front corner, uh, that's how it is also from the factory. So you get a full-size spare with a matching aluminum AV wheel, not just a steel wheel. So it looks, cool. it looks really good. Uh, no extra power. I am kind of surprised they didn't add a slight tune to it, you know, up 25, 30 horse. I mean, you could already get the high output on the uh, ZR2, which is 430 pounds <sighs> of torque. I, I forgot about that. The other thing to uh, note, the payload capacity is actually uh, 230 pounds less at 1,050 pounds. I which, mean, hold on. Well, so what? It doesn't sound like a lot. But you got to remember, it already has 35s and skid plates and winch bumpers and sliders. You know, when you look at everybody gave the last generation Tacoma a hard time because it had, you know, 1,200 pounds. pounds or something <laughs> like that, or some of the models were yeah. over 1,000 or something. Everybody's like, oh, that sucks. And then people are going to look at this and go, oh, that sucks. No, no, no. The Tacoma had that before you had everything. You're getting the AV Bison edition of the ZR2 with basically all the stuff you need, and you still have a thousand pounds of payload. So, just wanted to put that out there because there's gonna be a lot of people, uh, you know, complaining. It's capable of producing 310 horsepower, and again, the 430 pound-feet torque on regular 87, and it gets an uh, eight-speed automatic transmission with locking differentials front and rear. 
I mean, dude, it's it's that's a yeah. this is legit. So the Bison has a 1.5 inch higher ride height. Uh, departure and breakover angles go to 26 and 26.9 degrees, and uh, the truck's approach angle uh, is 38.2. So that's uh, that's pretty darn good for a pickup truck of any size. So one other uh, piece of info that's interesting to note is Chevy wanted the AEV Bison package with 35 so bad that when they designed the Colorado, they moved the front axle forward 3.1 inches relative to the previous generation just to fit those tires. And so they say, oh, it's wheelbase, it's right handling on the lesser models, but the reality is they did that for the 35s on the AV package, gotcha. which is pretty freaking uh, freaking rad. So wheel travel is a really respectable 9.9 inches of front suspension and 11.6 inches of rear travel. So this thing should be absolutely a beast in the desert. And uh, they did add a half-inch body lift, which goes toward the extra tire size uh, for that overall ride height increase. So here's the million. It's right. Here's the million-dollar question. When will you get one for us to go romp out in the desert? Uh, probably when they're available later uh, this year. Here, here's another thing people are going to ask. What's the travel on a 2024 Ranger Raptor? 10 inches front, 11.5 of the rear, so almost identical to this. Those two, side-by-side, side, are going to be absolutely awesome. So remind me again, who wins the horsepower war, the Ranger Raptor or the Colorado Bison Edition? So for sure, it's the Ranger Raptor. They both have the same torque at 430, but the uh, Ranger Raptor has 405 horsepower. And it's got a 3-liter V6 versus the uh, turbo four-cylinder. But it all depends on about lag and transmission and all that stuff. And honestly, as much as I like the Ranger Raptor, kind of loving the way the Bison ZR2 looks. Uh, ground clearance is 12.2 inches compared to the Raptor's 10.7. Yeah. I mean, that's that's significant. It is. That's no driving over Home Depot paint bucket, though. No, that's a Quinn uh, 74 <laughs> weld thing for yeah. sure. But, I mean, dude, that's that's pretty crazy. So, uh, anyway, uh, other options specific to Bison are things such as AV branded leather with yellow stitching. You can even get yellow seatbelts, which I kind of, I like contrasting seatbelts. I do too, but yellow is it probably going to get bright. dirty. Yeah, it might be too bright. Yeah. I like the red that came on the anniversary edition recons of the Wranglers. Um, I, I think that looks really nice. Some of the Porsches with their contrasting seatbelts are pretty cool. I would have liked so, to have red ones in the TRX. They don't offer them. I'll, I'll have to see hmm. it in person. Yellow might be bright, but it might also be pretty cool until you uh, eat tacos and drip grease all over Ooh, them. Yeah. And, yeah, that's bad. Uh, and then AV uh, designed underbody cameras mounted near the tr- transmission gives you a view toward the front or rear of the truck with lens washer nozzles. Really? Yeah. I mean, dude, that that is a lot of content. That's a lot of stuff you this don't have to do the aftermarket. This truck has got to be going for 60 to start. It's got to be somewhere around there. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, if you're going to buy a mid-sized truck and you want the ultimate off-roader and you want 35s, fully warranted. You still have to go do it with the Ranger Raptor or a Ranger FX4 or a Tacoma. So what I'm hearing is uh, our buddy Andre, who just had his Colorado freak out, is crying in his soup because he wishes he would have bought this one. I mean, he might. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you may wonder about the uh, Tacoma Trail Hunters power output. Uh, 310, 430 for the Chevy. 326, 465 for the Toyota, which is also hybrid. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how everything stacks up. I, I'm looking forward to, to driving each of the new midsizes because there are so much awesome stuff out there right now. And, uh, of course, uh, they haven't announced it yet, but GMC gets a version of the Canyon, which uh, I think the front end, I like the Canyon front end. It's pretty We always tend to like tight. the GMCs better because they have yeah. the big mouth. You know what I mean? They just, they look more menacing. Except from for the those ones end, that typically. look like molars. They had the molar grill a few years ago. 
Look like a big giant tooth right between two headlights. I, I don't recall which one you're... Pull it up. What are you talking about? The 2021 Molar. Let me see here. Oh, yep. That's a, that's one big twofer right <laughs> in the front. Yep, yep. I know what you're saying. So I, I think the uh, I think the Canyon is a really, uh, really well-designed, sexy truck. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope. Apparently, uh, the Rivian R1T and R1S will not get tank turn after all. Ooh. Why? So of course, they uh, posted on the internet, and everybody got intrigued by tank turn. Um, and uh, apparently... Uh, Are they going to say it's dangerous? You're going to go off yeah, a cliff or something well, like that? that? And also damaging to trail because it left ruts and things like that. So Rivian is saying, well, that's <laughs> counter to their mission. And they're like, we can do it, but it would be easily abused, and we don't want to tear up trails. But the Lame. thing that's a shame is where I see tank turn would have been really cool is Rivian is really unique. It's the only pickup out there with four motors, a motor per wheel, which allows you to do tank turn because like even the Hummer is a three motor. And so which, with individual control at the wheels, you could do tank turn. And when you were stuck, you would be able to tank turn out of your ruts in mud and things like that. Like I, I, I could see tank turn being used to as like an extraction mode. And I, I hope they reconsider and at least do something where maybe it doesn't let you do 360 pirouettes. At the very but least, it would it, do something yeah, to alter the direction of the vehicle. say like it, one mile an hour max or something, yeah. right? Just, yeah. But uh, I can imagine that would turn up on like every every street takeover video instead of doing donuts you'd have rivians doing tank turns in the middle of like la cienega and manchester yeah i mean <laughs> yeah, rivian takeover yeah. but on the trail i think uh i think it's fine i think i think you could have uh you could have gotten away with it with maybe some guardrails there because i think it could have been super useful so it's uh it's sad that they are walking away from tank turn and a lot of people were uh were expecting it but uh no no bueno hey lighting did you hear Nope. Uh, did you hear about the uh, tow truck flatbed that became a Dukes of Hazard ramp for a Georgia driver? I heard about it. I didn't see you it. You haven't seen it? No. You haven't seen a Nissan Altima launch at like 50 miles an hour nope. off the back of a tow truck nope. and hit another Altima? No show to me. Oh, my gosh. So this is the uh, police officer's uh, body camera. Okay, he's on a scene of another crash. And he's watching as, oh my God! Oh, no! Oh my Lord! (laughs) Now he's running after the car that just... How do we explain this? So it's a tow truck. It's everything you've ever wanted to do as a car enthusiast when you have seen a ramp truck or a tow truck with the ramp down and that flatbed. You're like, I can jump this. That person did it. Completely oh. cleared it. And cars are so safe today. That Altima, that person apparently was okay. If you can believe what? that. Play that again. That was ridiculous. Sorry about this uh, crappy quality audio, but it was again from like a GoPro style. No, it was a body cam. A body cam, yeah. Cars come along in the fast lane. Oh, hits the ramp, goes over the cab of the tow truck, skies it more than a hundred feet in distance. About 120 feet, they say. Oh. And uh, yeah, it was captured on the. So basically, there was a scene. <laughs> Imagine a divided highway with two lanes in each direction. There's a crash on one side. They're tending to the crash. The tow truck was on the other side. We had a big green grassy median, your typical southeastern style freeway. And uh, apparently, uh, the driver of the other vehicle uh, lost uh, attentiveness. Apparently, it was a uh, a 21-year-old driver who was transported to the hospital after being removed from the vehicle. 
Uh, and somebody on Reddit had, had said that the uh, the bar on the back of the rollback or the front of the rollback was mm-hmm. destroyed, but it, the cab was okay on the tow truck, if you can believe that. It doesn't make sense when you see it. You'd think that the rollback and the cab would stop the car from going over the cab, and it didn't. It didn't because it the car was going a, so fast a it just fast. just skipped like a rock so right over the cab. According to the uh, uh, Lowndes, I guess L O N D E S County Sheriff's Office, uh, the Altima traveled approximately 120 feet in the air. Then it made <laughs> uh, contact with the ground, hit a second Nissan Altima while it was rolling over, and then traveled another 23 feet before coming to a stop. And the driver was cited for not wearing a seatbelt. Wait, what? Yeah, according to this report. So anyway, crazy crash scene. <laughs> and uh, once again, uh, four or five people tried to show that to me, and, and you wouldn't do it. No, it just were like, you afraid have, it was a snuff film? I, I didn't want. I don't want. I don't like seeing people die. No, and I was, Well, I, I didn't know that at the time. So that is that's the silver lining. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? No. Nope. Our friends over at Jeep have jumped the shark, and I'm not okay with it. Tell me more, please. Apparently, because Holman loves all things Jeep, thanks to something that I have been joking about, I put it out in the universe, and now it's coming true. Jeep is toying with autonomous off-road driving technology. Apparently, Jeep has outfitted two electrified Grand Cherokee 4xe's uh, with the new technology. And uh, basically, they uh, teased a video, um, and they are teaching the Jeeps how to drive off-road with obstacles, which is obviously way harder than, uh, than it is on the road, I would imagine. And they're saying, according to Jeep, that the automaker thinks the tech will be helpful for seasoned off-roaders and novice adventurers, allowing more customers around the world to enjoy the adventure. Uh, I think that's uh, awful. Um, I think that the whole point of off-roading is your skill and your driving. And if you just have a vehicle doing it for you, I just, I'm not okay with it. I just, uh, I mean, they talked about the vehicle possibly, you know, being able to get you out of a jam if you get into something above your skill level, things like that. Uh, maybe it could be used to uh, help somebody get unstuck. Maybe the vehicle's better than you. I just, I don't see it. It's a sport. It's like saying, oh, we're going to have F1 cars driven remotely by people in a warehouse or something. I just... Well, that... Um, I just can't get behind it. I just think it's one of those things that's sacred and nothing's sacred anymore and it just, I don't know, just hurts me a little bit. Cool technology, bro, but uh, but not for me. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope, I didn't. Uh, Rich Rebuilds, which is a uh, YouTube channel. Uncle Rich? Apparently uh, he... You know me and uh, Uncle Rich are bros, right? Uh, are you? I, I actually... Did he can... call you about his Rivian? No, he didn't. He didn't call you about his uh, Rivian that had a minor accident? Mm-mm. And while his truck was being... He doesn't rec- just call me whenever, but when he does need some bank stuff or he's got a question about engines and he's got something for... He's like, hey, I need to scale something. Can you hook a brother up? And I, and I do. Okay. And I walk him in to so Gail he did, and he say, didn't tell hey, you, my, my buddy uh, Rich has got he, a question for you, Gail. He didn't tell you that he got a minor accident that was no big deal in his Rivian and then it got rear-ended again after it was fixed. 
and the body shop uh, it came up to thirty seven thousand four hundred seventy five dollars. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. So if you remember, that. we talked about an R1T owner who is somewhere in the Midwest, like uh, maybe Ohio, who had a fender bender and the, rep- and the repair bill was something like 42000 I'm like, that's the shop probably like, you know, checking all the boxes, right? No, it's not. I mean, so Rich uh, basically has it on his YouTube page. You should check it out. But 37475 And when you see the damage, it doesn't look that bad. Is that parts? Is that skill? Not enough have been crashed to know how to fix them? Is it more out? I don't know. I think there's no parts. But dude, that's a lot of money. I just think that there are not enough of them on the road, so there probably aren't. The parts bin is not stacked deep, mm-hmm. and they're not selling them cheap. Okay, Gideon. I mean, what does it do when you smoosh the battery pack? What does it do? Well, the battery pack, is, Well, I, I'm not worried about the battery pack, because the battery pack is in between... You know the skateboard and the axles. It's it's whatever gets crunched in the rear. But I mean, I'm yeah, I'm it, not saying it, there's not sensors and all that kind of but stuff. You, but if you if you scrunch, what the was back forty thousand dollars? Again, you're you're not listening. It ripples all the way through the chassis, right? If you no, hit something it, in the back, you maybe. can scrunch. They're unibody, so right. so it's not like a pickup truck that has a bed separate from the cab. Once again, this is a reason why we advocate pickup <laughs> trucks being bed separate from the cab because if the bed gets smunched, the rest of the truck's okay. So all you people are like, oh, you know, buddy, pick a truck, yay. No, not so much. But it doesn't always. Sometimes there's crumple zones built into the quarters, and so it won't carry forward to the doors and misalign and all that. But, dude, I just... I mean, that's, that's a, a Ferrari bill. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's that's painful. Uh, uh, Rich has the staff to fix it, so he won't probably spend that money. Uh, he'll do it himself, but or his crew. He's got like a bunch of... Dudes and chicks working for him, and he's got quite a quite an operation over there. If you've never seen uh, uh, Rich Rebuilds, it is a great channel. He is really, really. We get him on the show if you're buddies. I I will. I mean, why haven't? Why do I always have to say, hey? I just Jay, don't think about it. What do you mean? Don't think about it? Because I think about like news stories, and I no. dude, I just got a freaking oh. reporter from Atlanta. I didn't know him so, a week ago. I'm so disappointed in you. You deal with all this stuff. You're like, oh yeah, I know the guy. I'm like, why are we when, <laughs> we not know. talking to him about on the show? I just didn't think about it. He actually has offered to be on the show before. That's the comedy. No, he hasn't. Yes, I swear to you. I swear text to him you. right now. Tell him to be on the show. We want to talk about He's on the East Coast. So who cares? He's in Mass. Tell him I'm re- I'm recording. You want to be on the show sometime in the future? I want to see if he's really your friend. All right, here we go. This is just rich. This is your penance for not asking him during <laughs> business hours. Benoit. Uh huh. Right here. Look at that. What do you see there? Yeah, I, I'm not debating. I'm not. Yeah, there's my text thread with him. I got it. I'm not debating that you don't have text with him. Okay. I'm debating your your decision not to support the Truck Show podcast by I, saying, hey, you'd be a perfect guest. I'm a moron. What do you want? Okay. Well, that, or, admi- or that that's fine. That admission <laughs> did, that was enough for me. Uh, hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No. Somebody uh-uh. leaked a bunch of Cybertruck interior photos onto uh, the internet. Are they angular? It looks. Boring. Can I see them? Yeah, I, I literally, on the screen. I literally oh, okay. have it on the I TV didn't know for you. you. Put it up on the screen. Let me look to my left. That's why I, ha- <clears> I <throat> literally put a 42 inch TV in the no, 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 studio so I, you can see it. But I'm looking at you. Now turn I got to turn the other way. Yes. Okay, I see it. Here we go. That right. looks like the steering wheel that no one wants. Right. It's an oval. <laughs> yeah. It's a flattened oval. And then it has one screen. There's nothing in front of the driver. Oh, by the way, the, you know, this is a, uh, I'm going to steal it. the term from Gale. Uh-huh. This is called ob round. Ob round. Okay. Ob round. Or as Ford used to call them, a squirkle. A squirkle. Yeah, I like that. Back yeah. in the day. 
Uh, it looks like a Lumina MPV minivan dash because the windshield is four feet in front of the driver. Wow. And then look at the center console is ribbed like an old Mercedes, except there's no wood on top, so it just looks cheap. I don't know, dude. That's super weird. And I love the Destructo switch. Look at you see this uh, yellow switch over here. Yep. This is um, that's the kill switch for high voltage on the yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, because it's, it's still an engineering vehicle. Right. Uh, it just looks boring. It's just all the two shades of gray. Huh. Uh, and it just that is so bland and boring. I can't even believe how bland that is. Right. Oh, and it has two. Look at the thumb controls on the steering wheel. So well, that's the, the same the, Tesla controls. That oh, they it has have the now. wheels. Yeah. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't they, know. They, all the Teslas have the same controls, and there's no stocks. You know, it's it automatically figures out when you're turning, I guess, and it does the like magic, like swipe your hand in front of the screen for shifting and right anyway long story short is that the story's not very long it's ugly and the dude that shot these is going to get busted because it's dude, his id be, is showing yeah that would be so he's a tesla employee with a tesla tag hanging around his waist well you, n- you never know elon maybe said take a picture and post on twitter who knows okay but anyway it's man is that bland milk yeah. toast vanilla boring yeah, I'm sure you rather have that than your wow. trx that is the absolute opposite of my TRX. Yep. I'm not even joking. That there's no way for that to be more opposite. No, it's just it's just sterile. Holy crap. Nothing about it goes, ooh, I want to you drive know what? and that, be part of that. That interior is Did you see the picture? That is like 70s. That's you... so retro. No, that's not retro. Like, no, 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 well, no, 70s but like didn't have that kind of plastic. I guess not 70, early 80s? What is that? Did you see the pictures uh last week of what the uh, production Cybertruck looks like? No, I remember you talking about it. Maybe it was off air, but uh, I, I I didn't see those. All right, so here's the outside, and so it still has the light bar, and it still has. And and when we say the light bar, there's a headlight that goes the, all, yeah, the all the way, way across. across. Okay, yep, yep. And now it has uh, triangular mirrors on it, and you can see some pictures of the bed area. Yeah, it's got some uh, kind of utilitrack looking. Uh, yeah, it's got inside inside tie downs yep. and stuff like yep. that. Okay. And, Rear window and I don't know. It's 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 taking shape. Yeah, the fenders. It's got the triangular mirrors now. It still yeah. has that one stupid giant windshield wiper. I mean, it's definitely gonna have road presence. You know, you're gonna know what it is. But it's, <laughs> of course, everyone. It's gonna be uh, the the bee's knees at every car and truck show. Yeah, for, I mean, everybody want to see it the but... moment it comes out, and every early adopter is trying to get their hands on one so they can be the guy at cars and coffee that everyone salivates over like oh look at this freak show of a truck but they all want to be the owner of that freak show i i guess i just i get it i totally get it but how do you get into the back like you have to not care about you know back seat and utility and, and by the way tell me that the quad is going to be real you always see the quad mentioned yeah. you know, shown well, right here that quad is so dope i don't know i'm just uh, i I remember that if you guys know i've had a chance to see cybertruck early bef- you know weeks before it was unveiled and I'll never forget that time I ended it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hey Lightning, did you hear? I don't think I. I don't know no. if I. We we've take. I've said it on the show four or five times, and we've taken it out every time. I think. Are you gonna make me take it? Can I leave it in this time? Yeah, I, so. I didn't say enough. I just ended it once. <laughs> just leave, I don't I'm know. I'm leaving it in. Well, we'll find no, out. No, it just happened. I left it in. All right. All right. Hey Lightning, did you hear? No. Uh, nope. UTV fans rejoice. The 2024 Polaris Expedition side by side looks like a four door Jeep. Yeah, why why build that? At, at it that has point, a heater and air conditioning. At that point, just, just get buy a Jeep. a Jeep. 
Seriously. Or buy that other Jeep that looks like, a, that's not a Jeep that looks like a Jeep they that you can't get They even have a rooftop what were, tent. Who are the people that we interviewed? Look, I, no, I got it. It has a rooftop tent on a UTV. It's stupid. Why? Buy a goddamn Jeep, Because you still people. need a truck and a trailer, too. <sighs> just, <laughs> like, I mean, I get it, but you're sort of jumping the shark. All right, just so, I'm just going to hit all the, the main things because, it, whatever. 999cc parallel twin ProStar 1000 Gen 2 engine, 114 horsepower. It's the same engine that debuted in the uh, Polaris Razor XP. Uh, it also gets a 12-gallon fuel capacity, which gives you more than 200 miles of range, but it still has a CVT. It does have high and low range gears, on-demand all-wheel drive, po- Fox Podium QS3 dampers with uh, position-sensitive spiral technology, 2-inch uh, diameter in the front, 2.5 in the rear. Uh, it gets uh, 30-inch... Uh, tires, 14 inches of ground clearance. Uh, wheel travels, 14 inches front, 15 rear. It sounds fun, but do you know this thing's got to be into the th- high 40s, 30, 40s, 35, the 40s, dude? I, I don't, I don't know if they've announced pricing yet, but uh, oh, oh, there oh, it is. Here we go. Here we go. There here it go. is. Uh, 31.999. No, no, keep hold going. On, hold on. For the mid range, it starts at 28.99. The fully kitted Northstar XB. $38,999. That's the same price to repair a bent-up Rivian. <laughs> just, just saying. Anyway, I, I don't get I Why are they making side-by-sides? Because there's people who live in Wisconsin like Jeeps. who are going to take these hunting, and they're on trail systems, and they're never going to touch the road. I get that. For everybody else, I don't get it. It's weird. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm pompous. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. No. Nope, I did not. All right, this is uh, our, our last news story. I want to save this one for the end. A little bit sad, uh, a little bit happy, but uh, Mark Allen, head of Jeep Design, the uh, gentleman who was just on the podcast about a month ago, a month and a half ago. So Don't tell me he quit. Go listen to that. Uh, he's the guy that has done all the wacky Easter Jeep concepts for the past 15 years or whatever. Retiring from Jeep after 30 years. No! God, no! No! Yeah, it's, that makes me sad a lot. No! Mark! Mark he, Allen! No! He, he deserves, it so. He deserves it, but uh, uh, if you think about it, and I, I wrote a little uh, uh, social post on him yesterday. Love letter? and A little bit of a love letter. And what I'll tell you is, is Mark is as indelible to the Jeep brand as the Seven Slot Grill. He has been in charge of Jeep design for so long that all of the favorite vehicles uh, that have gone through uh, have had Mark's touches. He's the guy that started Easter eggs in the industry for for the most part. He's the guy that started red tow hooks. Every manufacturer now, including Toyota and GM with the red tow hooks, can all go back to Jeep and the red tow hooks on the Rubicon. That's something Mark Allen did. Um, he has been he's left his mark on the industry. He's left his mark clearly on the Jeep brand, and he is a hell of a nice guy. Gracious as always uh, when we ask him for an interview. Always has great stories to tell. And just the way the storytelling and the detail work of what he does, everything has a purpose and a story. There's a, there's a reason for everything. Having known him for the past 20 years uh, has been awesome. Walking around, talking design, uh, seeing little things that he's done and have him give me the backstory on that stuff. It's always been super special. And uh, I, uh, I'm excited for my friend in retirement, but Jeep will not be the same without Mark Allen. So a little, uh, little thank you to Mark and tribute products, you know, like uh, the Wrangler. 
the JK and the JL were done under Mark's watch. I mean, that's I mean, that's massive. Bringing back the kink in the grill, all the YJ, Grand Cherokee, the new uh, Grand Cherokee, the WL, the WK, the WK2, the Gladiator. I mean, just go down the list of amazing vehicles that he's churned out and set kind of the, the two schools of design. The iconic Wrangler design, which is Gladiator, Wrangler two-door, Wrangler four-door, and then the mainline, which is you know Cherokee and Renegade and Grand Cherokee, Wagoneer, and then also the guy who has the uh, the Skittles collection of colors. If you've loved all the crazy colors that Jeeps have come in. The greens, the pinks, the purples. Uh, that's, that's Mark. And if you liked all the crazy mute tones. So everybody that has a concrete gray, you know, paint color in, in you know, that was, that stuff like that was coming out of Mark's design studio a lot longer before you saw it in production. All those uh, vinyl siding colors that he likes to call it. Um, so anyway, he... He will be uh, greatly missed. Uh, I doubt he's not dead. He's just retiring. I doubt that uh, there'll be any fat bearded men uh, Easter eggs on <laughs> on anything. I have I'm a feeling my he will still be showing up at uh, Easter Jeep Safari and places like that because he's he's a lifer. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I uh, you think he's got to go move to like some deserted no, island? He said he's moving out west somewhere. He's leaving Michigan. He's gonna. He says he doesn't know where, but he's uh, looking forward to his new adventure. And he's, so he's gonna be closer to us. And yes, and he's actually building a uh, TJ Brute that. Uh, is AEV. So why can't he be a correspondent for us? Because <laughs> he's retired. No, but I like... Because he can... doesn't like us that much. Oh. I'll tell you two, <laughs> really? two Mark Allen stories. If you go to my social, you'll see a picture of the 6.4 liter, which is the precursor to the 392 Wrangler on a JK platform. And I'm going to pull it up for you right now, Lightning, so you can see it on the uh, on the big screen here. And so we were all driving concepts years and years ago in uh, in Moab and this thing was a black two-door soft top Wrangler JK with a 6.4 Hemi in it. You can see a picture of us laughing our butts off, but this was the precursor to 392. Uh it w- had a bunch of AV parts on it. Now, this is not the one that you got up on two wheels and almost rolled. No, no, no. That's I never almost rolled anything. Oh, two you, wheels for sure. Oh, it was, but, it no, was no. the 392 that you almost rolled. So, you can see Mark Allen in the passenger seat. You can see me driving laughing my ass off because this is one of the most fun times I think we ever had. That's a photo. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. This is a photo of the Jeep blasting sand out of the rear wheel wells, and then it's billowing into the cab, and I can't see people inside because there's so much sand everywhere that it almost looks photoshopped like a wizard came in and went... <laughs> You know what it looks like? It, what was the uh, the it's mummy sand, or the sandstorm? That's, that's, that's what yeah. I'm going it for. It looks like the mummy is. inside. So that vehicle- It's about like, like a monster is about to materialize yeah. in the in the driver's that's seat. That's me driving uh-huh. and Mark Allen in the passenger seat. And he said when that vehicle was eventually crushed like five years later, sand was still pouring out of it. <laughs> and they never <laughs> oh, got no. it. And that was a vehicle that was built specifically for Mike Manley, who was the CEO of Jeep at the time. And he said, despite all efforts, sand was in that vehicle forever. And we still joke to this day. He's like, what? There's sand in my ears because of that. And then the other thing I'll tell you is when the Renegade came out, um, I made Mark sick because he was in the back seat. He's like, yeah, we're in Malibu. He's like, push it. And the Renegade with the little 1.4 turbo and the stick or the whatever the little engine was, was like a riot to drive because it just got stupid and greasy at the limit. So you can really push it. It wasn't going to bite you. And I remember pushing it through the apexes and all this stuff. And Mark, Mark was in the back seat. And he's like, okay, yep, good. You did it, right? <laughs> you know, um, it's got to be hard to be anybody who works for a car company that has to go hang out with journalists on media drives because you're in the back. And, and journalists are douche. And journalists are complete 
yeah, it's completely douchey. Yeah. So, anyway. so, uh, so Mark, uh, this is how we would like to uh, see you off into uh, retirement. T H A N K Y O U. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Allen. May you, you rest in peace. No, no, no. He's not dead. He's just retired. Oh, that's right. And we love him. All right, Holman, this is the part of the show when Lightning explains how he almost died in the desert. I'm all ears. My name is uh, Lightning from the Truck Show Podcast, and I'm uh, we're out in the middle of Arizona somewhere at a rest stop, and I see this Sprinter van. It is a Sprinter, isn't it? With Umbrella Corporation plastered all over it. You've got lights pointed in every direction as if you are the zombie killer. What is the story with this van? And you've got all these plushies in the windshield. I'm just a gamer who's traveling, and so... What's your name? I'm Sam. Sam, where are you from? Uh, Florida. What are you doing in Arizona with... On my way to see some friends in Cali, so... Okay. You know, just passing by. <laughs> and so, the Umbrella Corporation is from which zombie movie? Which series? It's actually from the Resident Evil game. Resident Evil, okay. So now it's from the games, got it. All right. So, and what possessed you to outfit the entire van this way? It just looked like it would be something fun to do. <laughs> And how many people stop you and are creeped out? Oh, so many times. I mean, I have, like, you know, this guy right here who is from Saw, you know, Jake Saw. And so, yeah, all the time. So your co-pilot is the bad guy from uh, Saw. If you check all the ducks, they're all from, like, different movies. I mean, like, this one particularly is, like, I mean, this is Rachel from Friends. So all right, that's weird. So they, there are about a hundred of these little three-inch, four-inch tall plushy toys. Uh-huh. They're all ducks. But the faces... Are celebrities. Yeah, okay, that's... It was a little odd, but dude, I could not get past his passenger seat. Buckled in is Jigsaw from the Saw movies. And if you've ever seen those, it's that the freakiest tiny clown character. It's just... I will post a photo on at LBC Lightning and at Truck Show Podcast, and you will see what I mean. In broad daylight, it's freaky. A lot of the other ones are from different shows and different movies that, you know, we grew up with. So it's just something fun to do. And I travel and like wherever I go and I find a toy store or something, I stop there and pick something up and it ended up like this. So is this, you have living quarters in the back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you give me a second, I can show you. No, well, say no, that. lighting. Yeah, say no. Truck. Hold on. It's a trap. It's a trap. Oh dear God. This is when he kills me. This is going to be, all right, Holman, I'm at a rest stop about 40 miles east of Kingman, Arizona. All right, here we go. I hope that was not the door shutting with you in it. This is sketchy. Jigsaw's in the passenger seat. Gonna do so sketchy. Where am I going? Side door. Slider, okay. I gotta be honest, when he opened the slider, I had no idea what I was gonna see. I truly was freaked. No way, look at all this. Like Redwood. The whole inside of the van is done in Redwood. So like the beds there have storage underneath, refrigerator, and it's all made it look like a wood cabin. So it feels like I'm somewhere in, in North woods. Carolina, you know. Do you do gaming for a living or how are you able to take so much time off and just cruise the country? I mean, I, I do a lot of that too, but uh, mainly like I worked for, I mean, I'm older than I look. What do you think he does? How do you think he affords the life to, uh, to be cruising around in a Mercedes Sprinter van full of plushy toys, a dog and, uh, and jigsaw? Toy trader? I mean, is he like a, a, a keepsake guy? Is he... I don't know. You'll never guess. Yeah, I won't. 
So I actually own a couple of pizza stores. And so now that I own them, this is getting I don't really weirder. have to work in them. I just let other people do it. No kidding. I'm going to yeah. go in a pizza store. Are they store. like gourmet pizza places or like Papa John's? They're, or? Uh, they're like family-owned pizza places. Uh, it's pretty well-known in Florida, I guess. I mean, if you're in Orlando. so But we're like right, right there off of, you know, International Drive and Universal. So. What are they called? Uh, Broadway Pizzas. Okay. So You got a few locations. Yeah. So it affords you the, to- uh, the time to cruise around with this kind of dog you have here. This is uh, Connie Corso. Or Kane Corso, however people choose to, you know, name it. What but. an amazing setup you have here! I've never seen an interior of a van done with all this wood. Yeah, it's a little heavier than it's, you know, you would like it to be, but it works. And the umbrella stuff—it's just kind of cool. It's just something that I like. You know, grew up playing, and so I did it everywhere. Our business is life itself, Umbrella yeah. Corporation. Yeah, you know, the whole zombie thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. You know. Congrats on the build. Oh, good choice of wheels. He's rolling uh, black rhinos. Yep. Some friends of ours. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. That's cool. All right. Yeah, like even there, like, you know, the little... Even, so the valve stem caps, he's got the little Umbrella Corporation logo. Yep. That too. I, you know, I got a few more things I got to add and change, but, you know, it's a work in progress. So for those of you that don't know, that don't follow either the film or the video game series, the Umbrella Corporation... They're the bad guys. They're the ones that are propagating the uh, the, the zombies. But that's been my first year with it, so. And you've got a rack up on top. You ever throw anything up there? Uh, no, it's more like you could you know sit up there because I have my solar panels up there. Ah. But you could set up like two chairs or whatever and just chill at the beach and you know do all that. So you could do full off grid with this thing. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Like I, you know, I have a 25-gallon, you know, water tank in the back. Yeah, you've got a microwave, you got a fridge, you've got. I do like outdoor showers. Oh yeah. You know, so. You've got a shower showing me the, yeah, uh, the little tent, hot and cold water. Wine cool. glasses for a little night for two before you kill them. Yeah, well, right. I, I kind of did it. <laughs> I met somebody on the road the other day and we drank like eight bottles. Holy mackerel! <laughs> yeah. And where did you bury the body? <laughs> I think she lives in Arkansas now. So. Well, she did live in Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's kind of cool. Awesome. Well, great meeting you on the road. Well, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, nice know. to meet you at a rest stop. The Glad guy you over found here is doing pressure washing, so we can't sit down on the park bench and chat. But yeah, no. But I mean, if you want, take pictures. I'm I'm okay with it. I don't care. You know, it's all, all right. I'll take a few photos. All, time. Awesome. all right. Thank you. Great meeting you on the road. Same here. So I didn't die. He didn't kill me. Um, I am suspect of the eight bottles of wine and the woman that he met, and yet uh, super weird. Might not have returned home uh, to her family in Arkansas. Hopefully, uh, you recorded the time and place in case (laughs) there's an investigation. So thank you, Sam, for letting me interview you at a rest stop in uh, some random spot in Arizona. Definitely what I meant. Yeah. Thanks for the interview. Mm Uh, all right. Well, because of that, we probably you know, aren't going to be getting to uh, any uh, emails today. No, we don't. Uh, I don't think we have time. I think the show's over. Well, we we gave them more than they bargained for last well, we time. We gave so. them laughs. We gave them information. We gave them Maybe a little they cried. sadness. Maybe yeah, they cried. it's everything you want. Truck show. The truck show. The truck show. The truck show. Oh, oh. Although I am looking at that giant uh, ream of paper sitting over there of all the emails. <laughs> must be 40 emails that are stacked up. Do we want to ask for more? Or is that no, we always ask for is No, that, no. Is that, death by, is that death by email? No. We, we always can use emails. Or phone calls. 657-205-6105. Leave us a message on the five-star hotline. Well, I sent out another batch of uh, Frontier Spotting stickers this last week. So thank you, guys. It seems like it's finally starting to tone down a little bit. Uh, so thank you for... 
everyone that, uh, that, that sent us your photo via email um, or DM or PM or whatever of you sitting in the cab of your truck taking a photograph of a frontier out in the wild. So that's been super cool. We got all, hundreds and hundreds of stickers out to you guys. And again, thank you. And there's two dudes in Canada that claim that I haven't sent them. Dude, I, nothing I can do about customs, bro. Somewhere in the post, man. I can't do anything about it. They're like, I'm, in, I'm not in Taiwan. I'm in Canada. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I put your post. I wrote, literally hand wrote your address and sent it off. And it's some all right, British fine. Columbia get, address. All right, great. They'll get it. And then another point. dude's in Alberta. I'm like, what am I going to do? Okay. Don't you guys Easy. speak French Calm up there? Calm down. <laughs> Listen, no, they don't speak French in Alberta. Oh, whatever. It's Ontario, dude. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't you? know my provinces. <sighs> you, you should go to Saskatchewan. I should. Why? You know, just because you would. Because it's a they, funny name? Yes. And they should leave you there and then you have to find your way home. Uh. And you'll be like, I don't know where I am. And then somebody will say Saskatchewan, eh? And then you're going, I still don't know where I am. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> All right. If you want to uh, follow us on the socials at LBC Lightning, at Sean P. Holman, or at Truck Show Podcast, if you want to reach out and uh, send us an email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you need to hit us up uh, individually, Holman at truckshowpodcast.com or lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. And we have to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. Uh, because of Nissan, this show still exists. So um, blame it on them or thank them. They've been with us for uh, over five years. They make a great truck. If you're in the market for a half ton or a mid-sized truck, give them a try. Put them on your uh, list of vehicles to test drive. We don't think you'll be disappointed. Head over to NissanUSA.com to build and price, or you can head on down to your local dealer. Check them out in person. I, uh, I challenge you to find a better truck at a better price. And when you're looking for a device that will show you what your dashboard doesn't because maybe your dashboard won't turn on like uh, Andre's Colorado, you reach out to bankspower.com and pick yourself up an iDash. iDash Super Gauge or iDash Data Monster. The only difference being data logging in the iDash Data Monster. It's freaking awesome. Go to bankspower.com to investigate yours. And if you got blown shocks and suffer from a horrible ride, then you want to go to BillsteinUS.com where you can put in your year make model and figure out what options are available for your ride. You can get either direct replacement shocks that take the uh, the factory stuff off, put a much better exactly factory size shock in there, or you can get a leveling kit or you can upgrade to, let's say, a 5100 or a more performance-oriented shock. You get something that's better for towing, something that rides better, or you can step up to the big performance race shocks, reservoirs, external bypasses, the works. We trust Bilstein for our daily drivers and our off-roading adventures, and you should too. BilsteinUS.com. We also trust Onyx Off-Road to help build your next adventure. That's right. With Onyx Off-Road, you can use their route building tool in order to plan your next trip with your friends, and then you can send it to all of them so, so you have the same trip across all of your own devices. In fact, if you do it on your laptop, it'll automatically populate your phone or your iPad, anything that has the app on it. You go to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to download the app. You can subscribe at onyxoffroad.com. Onyx Off-Road is the map app built for adventure. You can discover new trails, save maps for offline use, track, save, and share trips, customize maps with markups, and you can sync with CarPlay and Android Auto. Head over to onyxmaps.com where you can subscribe and uh, unlock a whole lot of extra features. Like, ooh, I heard if you do the premium, you get a little something something from OVR Magazine. What? I don't know. A go subscription? Su- go subscribe to Onyx and see uh, what you get for free from them with OVR. Really? Yeah. Little collabo is what you're maybe, saying. Maybe done a little collabo, yeah. Hmm, good for you. Yeah. yeah I assume you set that up. Uh, was yeah, You may have had a, a hand in that? I might have known some people. Ah. Yeah, OVR. Uh, anyway, uh, just a little plug, ovrmag.com. You can subscribe, digital or print, and support myself. 
Holman, one final thing before we uh, peace out on this episode. Can we read the review that's uh, making my blood boil? Okay. Uh, This comes from Greg Madden, who uh, left us a four-star review. The hell Why? Why would you leave us a four-star review? Just leave us five. Is it really paying you that much to do the extra star? Maybe he explains it. He says, love the show. Well, love doesn't sound like four stars to me. They says the longest podcast ever. Okay, well, it's probably true. He goes, y'all talk 15 minutes before opening the show and then talk for 15 minutes after closing the show, like we're doing right now. <laughs> uh, too many squirrels running around in your heads. I love every minute of it and always look forward to the next episode. Then why is it that five stars? Hold on, what? it gets better, it gets better. Thank you for continuing to do the show and pushing it to make it better. And then follow along on the screen, they're lightning, where my cursor is. What's the very next thing he says in his review? Five goddamn stars! He says five stars. With two exclamation marks. And I type more, but code brown. Why four, Greg? Greg, go back in there and add that extra star, or lightning and I are going to stick to 45-minute shows every time, and they're going to be super boring with no squirrels. Greg, f*** you. No, 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 Lightning. No. Right, listen. Is that this, too harsh? No, just easy. <laughs> he still gave us four. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. Greg, let's sweeten the pot with you. If you email us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, and you change this to five stars, Lightning will email you stickers. I think stickers are worth <laughs> wait, one wait, star. Wait. I'm going to email him stickers? Oh, you're going to mail them stickers. Oh, yeah. Well, you can email. No, it's cheaper for us if you email it to them. <laughs> no. Dude, I would send this mother effer a shirt if he brings it up to five All right. stars. All right, listen. The ante has been upped Greg Madden. Freaking change your review to five stars. You can get a shirt. You can get some stickers. And we'll, we won't be mad at you anymore. All right, we need your love, Greg. Because we can't even do the five star high five now. No. High four? No, I don't feel comfortable. Uh, I don't either. Greg, thanks for ruining the show. All right, you guys. Love you, mean it. Bye. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Uh oh, uh oh, I guess my mind is going again. My body is dismembered from my mind completely. I can't think. Something is wrong with me. I was going bananas. My mind is just ready to go completely. No mind is deteriorating. Boy, that was good. The Mini Winnie, part of American tradition, and today on the cutting edge of design and function in a Class C motor home. Do you believe any of that sh-